Ian Thorpe is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold in a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. A perfect score, 10.0 for Dante Kamenici, a perfect score. The first time I've never seen it. So in over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt spreading ahead, winning by daylight and setting a world record, 9.68. The wind is okay. How easy was that? Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, and hello to everybody tuning in to the very first episode of Off the Podium, an Olympics podcast brought to you by the people who brought you the classic hits such as Survivor Oz, Double Oz 7, Euros Vision, and of course the qualifying lap. It's a thrill to be here in our uh, first time attempt at covering something that a lot more people care about than those other shows that we've ever done because it's the Olympic Games, the event that every four years stops the world, gets people excited and always tries to find a way to ban Russia at something. So we're thrilled to be able to cover these games. We're going to Rio. That's right, Brazil. Uh, We're actually personally not going to Rio because we can't afford it, but if you're in Rio and you're perhaps listening or you're going to Rio or maybe you're listening to us on the plane, then please let us know who you are because we at least know we have a listener. Uh, I should introduce myself. Uh, My name is Ben and, of course, I have previous Olympic experience in starting a joke bid for the Olympic Games that turned a little bit too serious and I didn't know what to do with it. Uh, And other than that, I have no experience at all except for watching them for quite some time. And... I've got two guys on the line with me who, as far as I know, don't have much experience. They might have qualified for Olympics. I don't know. I don't know exactly everything about them, including one man from a part of a city area state that hosted the Olympic Games about 16 years ago. I actually don't know how far away it is from Sydney, but I think it's part of Sydney, Emu Plains. Anyway, Jared Lupik. Jared, welcome to Off the Podium. Thank you. It's uh, it's exciting to be uh, talking about the Olympics, 50 minutes away from the Sydney Olympics, but I mean, when you're eight years old at the time, it doesn't really help. Um, I'm glad that we've rolled around four years ago. My experience, if I put it all on the table, probably Athens 2004 PS2 game um, broke some world <laughs> records there, so look out. Wow. Well, I'm intrigued to find out which events you did break those world records in and just exactly what 50 minutes from the Sydney Olympics means. Uh, but also, speaking of... 50 minutes from the Sydney Olympics. Uh, it's got nothing to do with this man, actually. As far as I know, he wasn't in Sydney at the time. And I think the closest he's ever been to the Olympics was when the Winter Games were slightly to the left of him um, about six years ago. Uh, I do, of course, speak from our dear Canadian correspondent, direct from the beautiful city of Winnipeg. It's Mr. Colin Hilding. Colin, welcome to Off the Podium. Oh, I'm going to have some fun. I have some good stories about how close I came to the Olympics along the way here. Uh, some amusing and some sad, but uh, we'll get into that as we go along on this show. I'm thrilled. Now, I, I really have no idea who these two guys are because I've got 50 minutes from Sydney, a guy who's <laughs> probably won a gold for freaking Belgium or something like that in <laughs> Athens that I have no idea about. So, hey, we're, we're off to an exciting start. And 
I guess what we're here to do for this very first episode is talk a little bit about why we love the Olympics, why we're doing this podcast, and perhaps preview a little bit about the Olympic Games. Of course, the 2016, uh, just in case you might be listening to this in like, I don't know, 2030 or something like that, um, for the 31st, the XXX1 Games of the 31st Olympiad. Is that the correct terminology uh, in Rio? Lots of... um, exciting events happening uh, in terms of the lead-up and all this sort of jazz, but it's more about us at the moment. And I guess I, I'm intrigued now because we, we're sort of saying this is an introduction episode, talking a little bit about our history with the Olympics, and now that I've literally teased finding out from you two about these, um, I want to know more. Colin, I, I have to go to you now. What's going on? Tell me about this. You, why do you love the Olympics? Why are you doing this podcast? And just exactly what was it like winning gold for Belgium in Athens? <laughs> Uh, well, sadly, I didn't win gold, but I, as far as my history of the Olympics goes, I mean, I don't really remember even knowing what it was uh, until I was a kid. When I was a very young kid, I was in uh, Taekwondo, uh, in, I wasn't even living in Winnipeg, I was living outside of Winnipeg at the time, a city of a population of maybe 150, 200, uh, smaller than Emu Plains, I should say, probably. And Hobart. And... And Hobart, uh, almost on level with Hobart. We had our own Olympic bid that failed for LaSalle, Manitoba, the village of LaSalle. Uh, But I was in Taekwondo at the time, and this was uh, 1988, and the the Seoul Olympics in Seoul, Korea, were being held that year. And uh, my academy, which was a nationwide academy, uh, was going to be part of the Olympics because that was the year Taekwondo was just a demonstration sport. So it wasn't uh, officially contested yet, but they were trying it out to see if they could go forward with it in the future Olympics. And the offer was put out there for anybody in our academy that we could attend the Olympics. We'd be able to you know, be there at the opening ceremonies and everything. And uh, ultimately what it came down to is that neither of my parents could commit to taking the time off work to take me otherwise i would have been right there in the opening ceremonies we could have been on the field and everything wow um i would have been like well i was i was the youngest person in the academy they they accepted me kind of because we were in a small town and nobody was going to question it and they didn't normally take kids my age but that would have been fantastic so that's been my uh um disappointment for my entire life that i missed out on attending the olympics uh, but it was made up for it uh, about a year later. The Calgary Olympics, which I watched only a little bit of. I didn't see a lot of the Calgary Olympics. But when we went out to Calgary uh, about a year or two later, um, my cousin, older cousin, I should say, he's my dad's cousin, so more of an uncle, I guess. He was taking us to the Olympic Park, and it was closed. But we had to go to the bathroom really bad, my brother and I. So when they're like, no, sorry, we're closed, the security guard at the front, my cousin took us outside and said, come on, kids, we're going to go water the flowers. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I, 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 don't, know, I don't know anything about flowers. I really got to go to the bathroom. And he's like, no, just come with me. And he stands in front of a flower bed, which has the Olympic logo, <laughs> the Calgary Olympic Park, whips it out and starts peeing all over it. And I'm like, all right, I guess. And I'm like a seven, eight-year-old kid at this point. I'm like, yeah, I'll go for it. So... My history before really watching much of the Olympics was missing out on attending one and uh, peeing on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Following that, uh, you know, once there was, the, I remember the Barcelona Games in 92. That's the one that I really got into watching. Me and my brother in our room 
Uh, we'd cheer for countries not knowing who it was. And then, you know, as I got older, Atlanta and Sydney and everything, I mean, it's basically gotten to the point where from the Sydney Olympics on, every single Olympics, I'm recording all of the major events. It used to be VHS, and now I'm recording it straight on my computer, and I have probably about 12 to 15 hours from every Olympics of footage that I recorded just hoping I don't I never want to lose this footage I have to watch it and I'll go back and watch them sometimes I go to bed let me put on Athens tonight let me put on Vancouver let me put on Sydney you you and I have a lot more in common than I ever understood right now because um we'll get to that in a minute you peed all over I did I mean (laughs) I was in Calgary about two months ago and all I did was just oh the Olympic stuff I'm gonna piss all over it like it was just I I just felt the urge to (laughs) I I couldn't explain it now I know why it was it was meant to be. <laughs> Jared, uh, well, look, you, as you said, you were 50 minutes away from the Olympics. You were eight years old when they were in Sydney. Um, you, you've lived, I guess, literally in a city during the Olympics. Um, besides that, I mean, what's your experience in history with the Olympics? Well, I suppose 2000 was kind of the first Olympics that I remember. Um, just being so close, I remember, like, the torch really actually came through Penrith, so that was, like, 10 minutes away, and now... Our school actually got to perform, like, a dance. Like, we made, like, the Olympic rings and we were in these horrible, like, asbestos spacesuit-type things. <laughs> and I got dragged into the wrong ring, so, I mean, that was a big mistake. And that's pretty much where my um, dancing career ended because, I mean, if you can't form the Olympic rings properly, that's a major disaster. You were involved in the Sochi Olympics, weren't you, when they fucked up with that ring? Like, that was you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was behind that. I'll take the blame. And then after that, yeah, I've just been following it since uh, Athens came along. It was a big thing at school. We did all these assessments and assignments on it. And then Beijing is probably my fondest memories of the Olympics just because of the time zone being so similar to Australia here. I think there's two hours difference. So you got to see a lot of events live. Um, You didn't have to stay up till four in the morning to see finals. Um, Yeah, so I suppose from there, the just love of the Olympics has grown. And I can't believe it's, it's come back around. Again, it's, it feels like it hasn't been long enough hmm. since London, but I'm glad that they're back. It's interesting. It's 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 so fascinating hearing kind of these varying stories, and I guess our ages really are coming through with this. Colin, you said you were what like going to the Seoul Olympics. I was like one year one years old then, so like I don't remember the Seoul Olympics. Um, sorry, um, I vaguely remember Barcelona. Um, I mean, I was only. Five. I think I remember um, Kathy Watt winning the road race for Australia and, of course, like Kieran Perkins and, you know, any Australian listening would obviously have very fond memories of him and the swimming and all that. Um, but, yeah, my main one I remember a lot of was Atlanta. I remember the opening ceremony and, you know, I mean, kind of seeing Kieran Perkins in Barcelona made me a huge fan of his. So I remember his race in Atlanta when he wasn't meant to win and was in lane eight and, of course, famously won the gold from lane eight after Australia hadn't won a single gold medal in swimming for the entire games until that final day with him and Susie O'Neill. And just I remember collecting... um, They used to have daily lift-outs in our newspaper of, like, Olympic results and all this sort of stuff. And I've still got them, you know. I kept them in folders and, you know, kept all these sort of things. And, you know, I guess we're really not meant to be talking too much about the Winter Olympics, but, you know, I remember a lot of um, Nagano and um, then, obviously, in the lead-up to Sydney um, was, you know, it was huge in Australia, of course. And, um, you know, I was, like, begging my parents, oh, you know, can we go to Sydney? Can we go to the Olympics? And, sadly, I never got to go, but I just blame my parents for that every single day. Um, But... You know, I remember 
you know, the lead up, like Jared, you were mentioning about the torch relay. Torch relay came to Tasmania, um, and I remember seeing it run through um, the suburb that I lived in, and we followed it all the way up to this little park and watched them light this little cauldron. And then there was like this lady there who was walking around showing off her torch, and we got to hold the torch, and it was so exciting. And, you know, they had all these big, huge festivals and parades like that toured around Australia, like in the lead up, sort of trying to promote the Olympics. And I remember all those. And,. You know, the Olympics, of course, I mean, Sydney, I mean, they actually, I think, at least down here they did, I assume they would have done it in every single part of Australia. They made school holidays work around the Olympics. So, basically, for that entire two weeks, that was school holidays. So, like, you know, all day you're just watching the Olympics and, you know, I, again, like you, Colin, recording it, VHS. Um, this is a Tasmanian joke that will go over everybody's head and I was not here, so I can't exactly <laughs> use this. I went to Chicken Feed and bought a bunch of VHSs. Um, which I will say, sadly, that I did record all over all of my Sydney Olympics. Um, that's, oh! I know, that's the last games that I just recorded over. I've got every single Olympic since Salt Lake, but I recorded over Sydney. So, um, <laughs> my own country. So, the, the Canadian here is the only one who has <laughs> footage of the Sydney Olympics. Well, I did buy the official highlights DVD from Channel 7 and the opening ceremony DVD. <laughs> so, I have them kind of. Um, but from there, yes, I uh, just obsessed. Um, I remember they had. Um, they generally do, like, parades in each of the capital cities of all our Olympians when they come back. And, you know, they brought down a couple of gold medalists down here. And I got to, like, wear, I think, Lauren Burns' gold medal from Sydney. And I was like, oh, my God, you know. And just, yeah, from there, Athens, you know, addicted to it. Beijing, London, um, Winter Olympics, um, and all that jazz. And, yeah, I guess from in terms of personal experience I've, I've never been remotely close to the olympics in terms of trying to compete for them <laughs> i used to play hockey field hockey but i was shit so um <laughs> although as i said like uh we on a former radio show that i used to do we jokingly started a hobart olympic bid which was kind of like haha isn't this funny hobart could host the olympics and it kind of turned a little bit serious um, it kind of went from one step to the next. We actually got politicians on board. Uh, we made, like, national, international headlines. Uh, I was contacted by major companies wanting to sponsor it. Um, I ended up being nominated for Australian of the Year and uh, as well as Tasmanian Young Achiever Awards. And it just went a little bit too far. But um, they clearly never listened to your shows. <laughs> yes, we loved it. We loved the attention. Um, so it was great. But um, yes, yeah, still very sad that we lost to Tokyo for 2020. So um, you know, we're still hopeful for 2028 at this stage. But yeah, I'm excited for Rio now and these. You know, because I think Jared, it just it comes around so quickly. Uh, but it's exciting because I always say after every Olympics, I, I suffer from SOWS, S-O-W-S, Severe Olympic Withdrawal Syndrome, because for basically two weeks, I'm locked in a room and watching and I'm not doing anything. Like, oh, Ben, you want to, like, do this? No, the Olympics are on. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, it's it's there's just something magical about them, isn't there? Like, it's, you know, I love a good major sporting event. You know, I love the World Cup. I love, you know, all these other events, but... I just think the Olympics are it. They're, they're the main ones, you know, and particularly the Summer Games. I personally kind of like the Winter Olympics a little bit better, but that's, I guess, for another discussion. But, I mean, why why do you like them, Colin? Why do you like the Olympics so much? I mean, 
one thing definitely it is there's the competition and there can be like national pride uh i I like the winter olympics better too that has a lot to do with the fact that canada obviously succeeds in the winter olympics in the summer olympics not so much um we, we definitely have our sports but yeah, you, you can become a fan of a sport that you've never watched before, even if it's not one that your country dominates. And a, a good example, even if your country does dominate, you know, rowing is, as far as the Summer Olympics goes, that's been the big one for Canada as long as I've been alive. And that's what I remember watching Barcelona, really the first Olympics I followed. And my brother and I would be, you know, at home, obviously it was summer vacation, so we're home, and we turn on the TV and the Olympics are on, and it's rowing, and we're like, Canada wins at rowing? Like, this is amazing. And suddenly you become the expert in rowing. Or uh, the same thing happened in Sydney. I remember there was kind of a big drought with Canada, and all of a sudden this um, event trampoline, which at the time I was like, trampoline's not a sport. And all of a sudden Canada you know, had this athlete, Karen Coburn, who became one of our biggest summer Olympians, you know, who dominated in the trampoline. And then the last time, the, the gold medal for Canada, the only gold medal we won in uh, London was in the trampoline too. <laughs> so you can get these really obscure sports and become a massive fan of it just by getting behind one person. And doesn't matter, you know, what you're watching on any given day, you can dedicate 10 minutes to a sport you've never seen before. And then you can dedicate a whole week to something like swimming. It's just, it builds and builds. Okay, and now we got somebody in this heat, this heat. There's so many different sports, and there's really no way to be bored. Because if something's on that you don't like, like equestrian, that's one that's <laughs> particularly boring to me. Hey, don't you Which not the sadly, dressage. That is excitement galore. Well, one of Canada's most famous summer Olympians, equestrian. We'll get into that eventually throughout this show. But wait five minutes and there's judo, and uh, that's exciting. You know, uh, sailing might be on. Okay, you're going to be put to sleep. And uh, now here's Usain Bolt. I mean, it's like the only thing you can watch were just regular everyday people who probably are being paid nothing. And half these people are working at McDonald's in the off season, And suddenly they're like the national hero. It's, it's, it's the most exciting thing in the world. To, I remember in Barcelona, there was... Uh, at the time, I guess he was Canada's most famous summer Olympian, Mark Tewksbury, the incredible swimmer. And all of a sudden, by the end of the summer, his face is on like every billboard around the city, you know, promoting whatever. So you just get these stars made. It's 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 the most exciting thing you can watch. And you, you only have to dedicate two weeks of your life to it. Of course, it consumes you for two weeks. You know, Ben and I are, and Jared were locked in rooms peeing in jars because you know, there's no flower beds around <laughs> or peeing in jars because we don't want to miss anything. But you're only dedicating two weeks, and then you have a four-year build-up, and it's the most exciting thing when it finally comes up after four years. I, I really hope that people this week will go out to their local nursery and grab some flowers and some dirt and uh, grow some flowers in the shape of the Calgary 1988 Winter Olympics logo in their bedrooms, <laughs> uh, preparing for um, you know the toilet breaks that they need to have in the uh, coming weeks. Um, Jared, what, what is it about you? What's so magical about the Olympics for you? Is it is it the art and skill of the dressage and the equestrian as well, like we all seem to love? I think well, that's definitely part of it. I don't know if I'd put it at the top of my list, maybe second. Um, I think it's just the pressure that these um, sports people are under. The fact that it only comes around every four years and for some events it's just they're separated by 
hundreds and thousands of a second and the events are over so quickly um, and just seeing people compete under that pressure and seeing people hold their nerve and just getting these amazing kind of success stories and then you have the, the lovable underdogs who come through and these champions who, who fail at the last hurdle. Um, it's just the whole build-up and the fact that you may get to go to one Olympics, some people may to get to go to three or four, but in that moment, all like all the attention is on you and you just have to perform and seeing people... Um, compete at that high level it's just so exciting to watch it's um it's fascinating it it really is and you know i i want to talk about um you know given that we'll have jared and i obviously focusing on an australian perspective we've got colin canadian perspective um colin i as you i'm sure know love canada and i always seem to pay close attention to how you guys go at the olympics and generally in the winter olympics i'm always rooting for canada anyway because we're kind of like you in the winter olympics we generally suck so you know if we win a silver medal it's like national celebration um but i guess you know throughout our time watching the olympics before we talk about that i mean do we have favorite olympic moments like a particular one maybe from your time watching the olympics that you just remember more so than in any others or i guess you could i suppose even bring up ones from the past that you weren't alive for but you maybe watch a lot on youtube or when your parents whip out the old talkies or something like that colin i mean (laughs) what are some of your favorite moments that you remember uh well anybody who's listening right now in canada there's pretty much one name that comes to their mind and that's donovan bailey uh yes. 1996 in atlanta it's good he's famous everywhere else he's, he's more um, famous than that other canadian sprinter about eight years ago that might have had a gold medal or two taken away from him yeah well th- that's what's funny because in 1988 that was all i really remember other than when i was in taekwondo and they brought the opening ceremonies in for us to watch as part of our class that day and a couple of the events the only thing I really remember from Seoul was, you know, Ben Johnson, the Canadian sprinter who ended up having his medal stripped from him because he tested positive for steroids. And that was kind of like the shame of Canada. It was at the time probably the most successful athlete we had ever had in the Summer Olympics. And then flash forward eight years later and we have Donovan Bailey and and that event. I mean, I think everybody can remember it vividly. Uh, my friend and I was sleeping over at his house and we were watching the event and there was like several false starts to the event it just wouldn't get going and eventually it gets going and donovan bailey not only wins the gold medal but he sets the world record he's the fastest man alive you know there's so much that went on with donovan bailey after that where he almost became bitter and angry um, <laughs> a lot to do with the fact that he he had another race which maybe we'll get into another time uh, against the uh the american who won in the 200 meters michael johnson where michael johnson kind of in a sketchy way pulled out of the race it was more uh just a, an exhibition and donovan bailey became a very bitter man but he's kind of come back and now he's all over tv you know when you watch the olympics uh the pan am games last year same thing he's their guy he's their expert that they have there uh covering all the events and giving the commentary and uh still to this day hands down the most famous canadian olympian ever you know most of our stories would be from the winter olympics but summer olympics it's easily donovan bailey uh memorable moment maybe for the wrong reason we had uh um perdita felician in i think it was athens she uh did the hurdles and it was so exciting for Canada going in because we had never really had somebody where we could guarantee, oh, this is a lock. We're going to win. And 
it's interesting here because we get the American coverage too. And one of the issues I have with NBC's American coverage of the Olympics is that in every event, the Americans are the front runners. Even if it's like they end up coming in 16th, it's like, well, this is pretty much what we predicted. But before the event started, they're like, all eyes are going to be on, you know, Johnny Crabapple here, <laughs> <laughs> the men's 200 meter butterfly. And meanwhile, he's like nowhere in it. But it was so exciting because even when I tuned into the, the American coverage waiting for Perdita Felician's event, they're like, the Canadian Perdita Felician is going to be unbeatable in this. And what happens? She trips on the first hurdle oh. and takes out two other runners next to her. It was like right back to Ben Johnson. It was like the shame of Canada. Wow. <laughs> but sadly, that is one of the more memorable moments. But it's something that, you know, my brother and I still joke about it. Like I was telling the other day, yeah, we're going to be doing this Olympic podcast. Hey, you should get P- Perdita Felician on to apologize to Canada. But, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, we are a forgiving country. She's another one of those people who's doing commentaries now on TV. But oh, sorry. Yeah, there's good and bad moments. There, there are good and bad moments for uh, for uh, Olympics, but you remember both of them, I think. Well, Jared, before I ask you, actually, I do have, a, funnily enough, a, a Canadian moment that I remember very fondly. Uh, Simon Whitfield in Sydney winning the triathlon. Yeah. And I think he, did he not win again in Beijing from memory? Um, I don't remember if he won in Beijing. I, well, I, I believe he medaled at least. Mm. Uh, but yeah, he's he's pretty much the go-to flag bearer that we had for you know several Olympics. <laughs> but, yeah, he won the silver in uh, Beijing. Right. It looks like here. Okay, then. Well, yeah, I knew yeah. he won another medal, but no, I, I fondly remember that because um, yeah, I, I just I remember because triathlon was a, making his debut in Sydney, of course, and we're generally pretty good at triathlon, so they thought we'd win lots of medals and. We didn't win any in the men's. I remember, I think, uh, oh, what was her name? Well, she won silver in Sydney, M- Michelle Jung. I'll get, it'll come back to me a bit. Anyway, Jared, uh, your your memories of uh, the, your, your favourite memories, I should say, from the Olympics. Well, I think the stand-up for most Australians is that um, Kathy Freeman winning gold in the 400 metres. Uh, I think that's one of those races that you can just watch over and over again and still get goosebumps each time. Um other than that, I mean, lots of wins in the pools. We had that whole sort of golden age of swimming from, like, 2000 to 2008. Um, Ian Thorpe versus Peter Vandenhugen Van. Vandenhugen Van. Um, every single race was just so good to watch between those two. Um, athletics-wise, Steve Hooker winning the pole vault was just, like, crazy. Yes. Um, Sally Pearson in the hurdles as well is just... It's a shame that she's not competing again, but... But seeing her win silver and then win gold was just mind-boggling because, I mean, track and field wasn't something that traditionally we were great at at that stage. Um, in terms of bad moments, I always will remember, um, I can't remember what her name was, but the female walker in the 2000 Jane Olympics, Savile. and she was winning, and she's coming into the stadium, and then she gets disqualified. And oh. that sticks in my mind as one of the worst Olympic moments ever. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just heartbreaking to watch. Just um, Michelle Jones was the name of uh, the the triathlete that won silver in Sydney for those who are desperate to know. I yeah, I um, I have actually had the uh, pleasure of interviewing Jane Savile uh, several years ago for for the Brink when I used to host it, and um, you know after all these years, she, she still sort of you know <laughs> fondly remembers it. For those for Colin who might not know what I'm talking about, and for other people who are maybe listening to this outside of Australia. Um, she literally was disqualified walking into the Olympic Stadium about to win gold. She was 200 metres away from entering the stadium 
and just this guy comes out of nowhere and gives her the red card. Of course, in walking, you know, I think you get three warnings before you get it. And, you know, it was just, it was heartbreaking. And there was a really famous interview with her afterwards where the guy turned around and was like, oh, you know, so what would you like right now? What, what, what are you feeling right now? And she's like, I'd like a gun to shoot myself. Because um, she was just <laughs> absolutely distraught. You know, she had a gold medal just taken away from her. And, um, yeah, no, that was hard. You are mentioning Sally Pearson. Um, I think she was, she got married, did she not, between Beijing? So she was Sally McLennan, wasn't she, in Beijing? Yeah. But that was one, speaking of interviews, uh, look up on YouTube the interview of her post-winning a silver medal in Beijing. One of the greatest reactory interviews you'll ever see by an athlete. She is just so shocked and dumbfounded that she'd won a medal. And she's just like staring at the reporter going, I won! I won a medal! Like, she's just so, like, over the moon. It's incredible. Um, I mentioned before Kieran Perkins, uh, you know, I was a huge fan of his growing up. Swimmer, won back-to-back 1,500 metres uh, in Barcelona and Atlanta. I think he won the 400, I believe, too, in uh, Barcelona. But, yeah, for, for Atlanta, he just he had no hope. Daniel Kowalski was the, the big hope there for Australia because, I mean, generally the 1,500 metres in the swimming is always our sort of pet event. Of course, Grant Hackett won back-to-back in 2000 and 2004. Um, and, yeah, he had basically had really bad lead-up to it all. He barely qualified for the final, was in lane eight, you know, Kowalski was in lane four, so no one was like, oh, well, Kieran Perkins isn't going to win a gold medal. He's not even going to win a medal. And from nowhere, won a gold medal. Um, so I remember that. Um, so much about Sydney, um, the 4 by 100 metres relay on that opening night, of course. You know, Thorpe had won the 400 metres. Um, and then, you know, America famously... Because America had never been beaten, the 4 by 100 metres, in swimming mm. at the Olympics, ever. And they came out because, you know, we're all like going, oh, it's our home Olympics. We might have a chance here. We've got Ian Thorpe. We've got Michael Klim. You know, we're, we're pretty good. And America was all like, nah, we're going to smash you guys like guitars. So, of course, you know, it comes to that final changeover and Thorpe, um, you know, mows down. Was it Gary Hall Jr.? Touches him at the wall. You know, I remember Dennis Cometti's famous call. It was amazing. They get out of the pool. They're all happy and they all start strumming air guitars, staring over at the Americans like, fuck you, America. Uh, it was amazing. Um, and, yeah, just so many other ones. Uh, I mean, a lot of them are going to be from Sydney. I remember um, Tatiana Grigorieva winning silver in the pole vault because uh, I was madly in love with her because she was just absolutely gorgeous. Um <laughs> And, yeah, just, I'm trying to think of more, but I'll be here all night. You were talking about sort of, like, <laughs> moments like that. Yeah, Jane Savile, definitely. Um, and we have, like, we've had a few similar ones like that where we're kind of like a lock to win a gold medal. Um, and then we just completely suffer. There was, um, it was Athens, was it not, when we had Lay Down Sally, the rower, that she literally stopped rowing, I think, like about, what, five metres from the end and cost us a gold medal or something like that. And she was just absolutely ripped into because it was in, like, the women's fours or the women's eights or something like that. And she just stopped rowing. And she literally laid down. And everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you just cost us a medal. Like, <laughs> And she just got absolutely ripped to shreds for it. Um, but this isn't like cool runnings where she just dove into the water and carried it <laughs> right across the finish yes. line. I have to finish the race. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, you don't. It's rowing, okay? <laughs> like, you can't. <laughs> um, was it quite that inspirational, sadly? Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fascinating, I think, to kind of 
compare what we're talking about here because obviously Jared and I are from an Australian perspective, but I guess we're from both our countries. We've really got different sports that we're good at. Um, and I didn't really know, Colin, that rowing was the one. Is, is that So that is Canada's, like, baby. That's the one that you always go into thinking this is where our medals are going to come from. Yeah, I would say rowing and canoe, um, along with diving. Diving's really big here, too. Uh, we've had the odd medal in, like, wrestling and swimming. You know, usually there's something in that. And then maybe every 10, 20 years we get a great sprinter. But pretty much a guarantee every Olympics we're going to medal in rowing, canoeing, and then probably diving as well. Well, I'm actually looking here at Canada's um, medal tally from sports over the years. You've won the most medals in athletics um, over the history of the Olympics, followed by rowing, swimming, canoeing, and kayaking. Uh, and then shooting is your fifth best sport. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> We're looking forward to the Canadian shooters in Rio. <laughs> um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. What, what years did we win shooting in? Is this like an old thing? Well, uh, the history of the Olympics, you have won four gold, three silver, and two bronze in shooting, um, which you've won as many gold in shooting wow. as you have in canoeing and kayaking in the history of the Olympics. So there you go. Um fascinating whereas if you look at australia well clearly uh, i think we can all guess our number one sport is of course jared what would that be that'd have to be um, equestrian <laughs> surely the dressage yeah, dressage absolutely <laughs> uh the swimming uh obviously is our our main one and a- athletics is actually our second uh most in the history uh cycling third rowing fourth and sailing Oh, we love the sailing in Australia. Um, equestrian <laughs> comes in at sixth, Jared. So, you know, we, we are Not quite close. good at, um, you know, our... That'll be bumped up after a <laughs> Yes, oh, absolutely. The kids will just be, um, you know, going to their local riding clubs and uh, doing it. But just, it's fascinating because, like, I don't know. I'd like to hear this from Colin's perspective because um, going into these Olympics, you know, the AOC, the Australian Olympic Committee, are all, like, talking up our chances and what can we do and all this sort of stuff. They're aiming for a top five position on the medal tally which we have achieved i think four or five times in the history of the olympics before did it in sydney of course when we finished fourth and i think i'm pretty sure we became the first nation in the history of the olympics to win more gold medals in the olympics following the olympics we hosted if that makes sense so we won 16 gold in sydney and then we won 17 gold in athens so we actually increased our gold medal tally four years after hosting it but, Colin, d- does, like, the Canadian Olympic Committee come out and say, oh, hey, we're aiming to finish in the top 30 or something like that? I don't know exactly who it is. I know that for years it was kind of like every every Olympics was a huge disappointment. Oh, we should have done better. We should have done better. And there's been talk over the years, well, should, you know, medalists actually be paid or be rewarded for this or whatever? And I believe this is the first year that they are saying that where they're going to actually pay the athletes who win so gold medalists will get like 50,000 silver medalists maybe 25 and then bronze you know 10 or whatever um i think that's coming off the fact that in beijing for the first time we did quite well in the medal count but uh what happened in london is that we won the same amount of medals but only a single gold the entire time so there's been kind of every Olympics, uh, an ever-changing shift on, well, how do we get better results out of this? You know, now the focus is, well, maybe if we actually will pay our athletes, you know, something similar to what they do in America. I don't know if they do that in Australia as well. You get a stamp. But if you win a gold, you're on a stamp. Um, 
<laughs> You're forever memorialised on something you lick the back of. I, I don't know, Jared. Do our athletes get money for winning medals? Like, I legitimately don't know. Mm, I, don't have, I have no idea whatsoever. <laughs> uh, yeah, legitimately, if you win a gold medal in Australia, you are on a postage stamp the next day. So, um, <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you. I'm looking here. Yeah, London, Canada won one gold, five silver. 12 bronze. Uh, Australia won 8 gold, 15 silver and 12 bronze. Of course, we technically only got 7 gold, but we eventually got given an extra gold because that Russian guy got disqualified in the walk, so Jared Talent won the gold medal um, basically later on. But yeah, we I remember leaving London, well not personally, as in Australia, the Olympics when we left it. Uh, we <laughs> were very disappointed with that because you know, we'd gone three Olympics in a row winning, you know, double-digit gold, 16 in Sydney, 17 in Athens, and 14 in Beijing. And then we dropped right back to, well, seven at the time the games had finished, which was our lowest count since Barcelona. And, you know, there was a huge big thing like, oh, you know, this is this is poor. Like, we only did this, we did that. Um, I mean, Jared, do, do you feel that we have a shot at making top five because, I mean, maybe with Russia that half of them are off, you know, in rehab that we might have a shot of finishing an extra position higher. But I, I don't know. I think I think it's a bit optimistic that we can finish top five again. I think it's um, perhaps a little bit of a, a stretch that we might finish that high again. Yeah, I think it's very kind of lofty goals. Um, obviously, they're expecting a lot of gold medals in the swimming pool, but I don't, I don't know. I don't see it happening. We won one gold in the swimming in London, and that was enough to cause a crisis. Mm. You know, generally when half of our gold are won in that first week in that, and then we just pick up a random sailing one here and there and a canoeing one every now and then. But, I mean, we've lost half our team for injuries or they're scared of getting Zika or whatever the hell it's called, or if you're Nick Curiosity just having a sook with the Olympic Committee so you won't bother going to play tennis for it. I mean, Jared, I know you're a huge tennis fan, so, I mean, <laughs> you know... It, did, I don't, no I don't great loss. I don't want to dwell too much on the whole Zika thing. I mean, there's controversies. It's funny because I've heard a lot of people talk to me recently because I'm always going on about the Olympics. And they're like, yeah, you know, there's all these problems with Rio, isn't there? And Really, this is the exact same thing we heard in Sochi. This is the exact same thing we heard in London, Vancouver. I mean, every Olympics, it's all the bad news before it starts. But has Australia had athletes who are dropping out because of the Zika uh, issues? Yeah, a couple. I know um, our... Uh, Jason Day, the number one golfer in the world. Of course, golf, returning to the Olympics this year. Aren't we all excited? Um, I believe he withdrew because he was scared for the Zika virus passing it on to his wife. I, 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 I think there have been a couple others, haven't there, Jared? Um, yeah, I'd say so. I think there was a couple who kind of um, maybe had injury scares or concerns and then kind of the whole Zika thing pushed them over the edge into not going. Is there a thing, so have there been people in Canada that have withdrawn because of it, Colin? Uh, I know of one for sure, and sadly it's probably one of our best shots at at winning a gold, um, the Canadian tennis player, Amos Ronich, who's coming right off of making the finals at Wimbledon. He decided to drop out because of the Zika scare or whatever, which, I mean, whether it has anything to do with that or maybe you just want to be more well-prepared for... Uh, uh, more high-paying events that aren't the Olympics. Who knows? But yeah, that's that. That was kind of sad because I think, especially coming off of Wimbledon, there was a lot of anticipation that you know Ronich could at least medal for Canada in tennis. I, I w- I'm intrigued to talk about this throughout these Olympics because there's always debates over certain sports whether they should be in the Olympics or not. And we'll talk a lot about this over the coming weeks because we all will each have our own individual opinions. You know, tennis is always one, soccer is always one. You know, the return of golf and rugby. You know, this is. 
big talking points, and we will get over those, uh, talk about those, of course, throughout it. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting kind of, as you were saying, there's always controversies leading into Olympics about certain things and, um, you know... Like, we've got a huge controversy over Russia in terms of their athletes, and now we've got this. Mm. Uh, obviously, you know, our, our we should mention this is the very first Olympics for new IOC President Thomas Bach. Um, Summer Olympics, I should say. He, of course, was president during Sochi. But, um, yeah, we'll see how he handles it. I, I saw a press conference with him earlier today where they were sort of asking him all these questions about Russia, and he just stared them down and was like, no. Like, he didn't answer anything else throughout it. Um, a couple of other things I'd like to touch on in this introduction episode. I mean, we could cover so much. We don't want to be here all day. We, we don't want to be here till the Olympics actually start because we'd like to perhaps do another episode uh, proving a little bit more about certain things um, before the opening ceremony. Well, what else are we supposed to do to keep ourselves busy for the next six days? <laughs> they haven't even released an Olympics video game this year. Jared's still having to play at Athens on the PlayStation 2. I've still got London 2012 on the PS3. Like, you know, we've... I don't have Sonic and Mario go to the Rio Olympics. I don't have a Wii. Like, come on. Um, it's because I don't have the Calgary um, logo to pee on. But now, rivalries, just in terms of countries, because, like, obviously, I could imagine, Colin, you mentioned you get the American feed. I'd love to know in terms of Canada and USA, in terms of rivalry. I mean, I obviously imagine it's quite big at the Winter Olympics, because, as you said, generally you do okay in the Winter Olympics. You've finished, what, third at the last ones, and you've won the medal tally, basically, in Vancouver. Um, for Australia, it's New Zealand. We'll get to that. But, like, do you... Is there a big thing in Canada about, like, oh, we've got to at least beat America in one sport? Um, Canadians are weird in that they don't like to get competitive unless they know they're going to win, I think. <laughs> and I, I, we definitely do have that rivalry uh, in certain sports. Like, I don't think there's ever a thing, well, we got to beat the Americans at everything, even though Canadians are kind of always have that attitude, you know, we, we, I, I want us to be better than Americans. When it comes to hockey in the Winter Olympics, of course, it's always, well, we have to beat the Americans. Um, with the Summer Olympics, we got that in Athens, obviously, because we had, you know, Donovan Bailey, they had Michael Johnson, uh, you know, they were in different events, but of course they had that exhibition match, which ended in big controversy. Uh, there was the men's 4x100 relay for um, athletics, and that was a big deal that year. So in certain Olympics, yeah, and I think this is one year where there is going to be the same focus on we need to beat the Americans. I don't know whether it'll be possible or not, because really you have Jamaica and the United States uh, in athletics, which... It's going to come down, I think, to the 4 by 100 relay. Uh, that's the thing that Canadians are going to be waiting for. And also just the 100 meter, too, because we have Andre de Grasse, who's pretty much our greatest athlete since Donovan Bailey is what people are you know, promoting him to be. Uh, so certain events, we may have that focus. But overall, I think Canadians are more competitive with themselves. Like I said, the big controversy last time was... You know, we won just as many medals as Beijing, but we only won one gold. And there's always the focus, we have to do better than the last time. Uh, there's usually not a lot of competition with other countries. We'll talk a little bit about kind of uh, Canada's big medal hopes and that shortly, and we can do, go over some of Australia's. But, Jared, I guess for us, obviously, as I mentioned, it's New Zealand. Now, we got a bit of a scare in London mm. because, you know, I think New Zealand's kind of similar to Canada in a way that... And they generally suck in the Summer Olympics, no offence, but, like, New Zealand suck at both Olympics. It's not like they, they just suck at life because they're New Zealand. But, like, in London, 
they actually goodbye all New Zealand <laughs> listeners. Thanks for joining us for the first we, half we, hour. We love you, New Zealand. Um, but like New Zealand, they they did pretty good in London. They won six gold medals, and we, as I said, we technically only won seven before they changed the medal tally. Like I think this year when we finally got that extra gold. And if you look at New Zealand's history heading he- heading in to London. You know, uh, going back to uh, Bart, they won one gold, three gold, one gold, three gold, three gold. Then they doubled their tally to get six in London. So if you want to be technical, Jared, at the time they finished one, then that scares Australia when New Zealand can get within one gold of us. And I think for most of London, they were actually ahead of us on the medal tally from memory. Mm, yeah, that would have been embarrassing. I think um, when double digits kind of goes out the window, the focus turns to well, we have to at least get more gold medals than New Zealand. If, if, um, if we come home with less gold medals in New Zealand, there will be riots on the street. We, mm-hmm, it will be worse mm-hmm. than if Donald Trump becomes president. People will be yeah, peeing all, all over everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just walking down the street. Pee on everything. Just public urination <laughs> 24-7 just in protest. Yes. Oh, I can see it now. It's it's fascinating to look at New Zealand's medal tallies history because, like, Australia, in if I am correct in saying it, every single Olympics we have ever competed in, except for the nineteen oh four St Louis Olympics, I stand corrected. What a what a games they were. Um, we <laughs> didn't win a medal. Sadly, we only sent two athletes, so they failed miserably, both of them. <laughs> but Canada, on the on the other hand, you've won medals at every Summer Olympics you've competed in, including one solitary silver back in 1960 in Rome. Uh, but New Zealand, they did not win a medal in Moscow in 1980. That might be because they probably didn't compete at those games because a lot of countries didn't go to them. <laughs> 1948, London, they didn't win any. But... I know that Canada and Australia hold a unique connection, um, which I don't know if either of you could guess the trivia aspect that I'm trying to point out there. Um, that's a really vague trivia thing, I know. I'm not giving you much Does it have clue. something to do with the Commonwealth Games? Oh, no, not, not a lot of competition. We, we love the Commonwealth <laughs> Games because we generally are the America of the Commonwealth Games and finish on top. Um We'll do a Commonwealth Games podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> 1976, of course, Canada, you famously did not win any gold medals at your own Olympics. Um, but we didn't Olympics, win any gold yeah. medals either at 1976. I think that was the only games we didn't win gold at for quite some time. So, yeah, that was just a random... I don't even know where that... Winning the podium. Yes, exactly. Uh, now... Yeah, sure. Standing with you in solidarity. Yes, we felt sorry for you. We're like, well, if Canada's not going to win a gold medal at their Olympics, we won't win one either. Um, who who are the big medal hopes for, for Canada, Colin? You mentioned uh, the sprinting guy. Uh, I've already forgotten his name. I'm sure we'll, we'll learn it off by heart soon. But Andre de Grasse. Andre de Grasse. What a, what well, a guy. I'll, I'll, say, I'll say this. Andre de Grasse, he's only 21 years old. He only started running four years ago uh, when he was in high school. And the Pan Am Games, which is really the Olympics for this side, you know, Canada or, or North America, Central America, South America... Uh, he performed incredibly there. And then at the World Championships last year, he came in third. Uh, Usain Bolt actually came up while Andre de Grasse was, you know, giving his interview, his post-race interview. Usain Bolt came up and interrupted and basically said, you know, I never saw this guy coming. This guy's the future of the sport. Uh, there's real hope. I Personally... I'm not even. I, I'm a big enough Usain Bolt fan that I would be okay with Andre DeGrasse losing. You know, if Andre DeGrasse could come in, even just place in uh, the 100 meter, I'd be happy. But I think he's real competition, uh, especially if not, he's not going to win gold this time. He could be the next Usain Bolt. Uh, trampoline, like I said, it's a bit of a joke 
it was a joke in Sydney when it first happened, but that's become Canada's event. And the only gold we won last time was Rosie McLennan uh, winning the golden trampoline. And she's pretty much the front runner this time. Uh, diving, which has become, like I said, a huge sport here, uh, particularly the women's diving. The men's diving's taken a bit of a, I guess, dive. Yeah, since London, but uh, women's diving, uh, especially the synchronized one, that's going to be a big one. And of course, as always, equestrian, oh. very big in Canada. Oh. We're really looking forward to that here. I, I am. I just need to work out the time zone difference and everything so I can set the recorder and just watch the dressage live and record it and just watch it and just stuff <laughs> the other events. I want to watch those horses. It will be a live commentary (laughs) for all six hours of that event. We will be broadcasting live. I I honestly would love to, like, maybe we can set this as a goal for us throughout these these episodes to track down a, a dressage commentator. And be like, so did you, like, wake up as a little kid and be like, I really want to commentate dressage. (laughs) Like, come on. There are sports that you want to commentate. My dream your dream of course it was jared um australian metal hopes uh i mean we have a few more than canada by the seams of things um, are there any particular ones that you i guess are looking forward to uh to seeing or that you think will have better hopes than others um i think we've got a couple of chances in the pool um i don't really know any of them i feel like swimming in australia has kind of lost its touch and we're waiting for kind of the next person to step up to to take that mantle so it'll be interesting to see if somebody can do that uh outside of that um anna mears it'd be good if she could get another gold medal she's holding like a couple over the years so it would be nice for her yeah as a flag bearer to bring in a gold medal um i think it's like high time that we win i don't know if we've ever won a medal but we definitely need to get a gold in the BMX. That's one of my favorite events to watch, and I feel like it's something that Australia should excel at. We, um, yes, yeah, and we just we got yeah, unlucky. Silver, I believe, mm-hmm. in the men's, and there's uh, the female athlete. She escapes my my brain right now. Who was favorite four years ago and crashed. Um, but yeah, no, like yeah, absolutely swimming. As you said, I think our women's swimming mainly. Um, our men's swimming. Uh, yeah, we haven't really gotten uh, much going for us there as we used to you know since thorpe and all that left but you know you've got the campbell sisters emily seabom of course you know they're the ones who generally will go well for us in swimming uh outside of the ones you mentioned now of course hockey our men's hockey team is pretty much the been the number one hockey team in the world for like 50 years and have only ever won one olympic gold medal so we generally always choke when we get to the olympics and um, I actually played hockey against one of their main stars, Eddie Ockenden, who used to score a shitload of goals against me when I was growing up. Um, so I gave Did him... Did you get at least one good shot in on him? Uh, well, I was goalkeeper, so... Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I just I just gave him practice because I knew he was going to make it one day. So you're welcome, Eddie. Um, sailing... Just bed cowering in the corner. Stop, stop, stop! <laughs> yes. Sailing, I couldn't tell you one single Australian sailor, but we'll probably win a few gold in sailing. <laughs> I don't think any Australian knows the name of any of our gold medalists from London because they won, didn't they win about three or four gold medals when we'd only won a couple at that point? And we're like, yeah, we're saved by the sailors. And to this day, we have no idea who the hell those people are. So they're probably working at McDonald's, as you said, Colin. Like, I probably got served by one yesterday, for all I know. Um, and cycling, obviously, we've, you mentioned Anna Mears. You know, we've got a great group of cyclists. Um, our Rugby Sevens women team are the best in the world. They've got a huge chance there. Uh, tennis, Sam Stoza. Jared, what do you give the chances for a Sammy Stoza medal? Um, 
Low. Low. Okay. <laughs> but you never know. Is, is, is Miss, <coughs> Miss Bouchard competing, Colin? She is. Can I just say, there's really no hope at this point for her doing much. Oh, well. Well, we can dream. Um, triathlon, I think we've got a few good chances there. Equestrian, of course. Um, I believe we've even got a couple of modern pentathletes, Jared. Now, you're talking up equestrian. I'm all for modern pentathlon, because it's a lot better than old pentathlon. It's modern. It's new. Um, so I'm looking forward it's to that. And, and basketball, of course. Uh, the Boomers, we have a very good shot, apparently, of finally winning a medal. We've never won a medal in men's basketball. Uh, the Opals are generally top two, top three in the world. I think we've won the last three or four silver medals. We always lose to America in the gold medal match. So look forward to another silver in the women's basketball. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's plenty to look forward to from Australia. Sorry, Colin, that we've got a few more chances than you do. But um, we can give you a medal well, or two if I you want. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, I mean, this is the the great thing is that if your country's not that great, I mean, we have our events we'll be watching here, but when it comes to swimming, we have maybe one swimmer, Ryan Cochran. Uh, oh, yes, I know. It's you. interesting that you will eventually get behind other countries too because you still want to watch the events. And I think for us here in Canada, um, there's obviously not, I wouldn't say just Canadians, but overall Michael Phelps is kind of one of those people who, people that uh, controversial. Um, he rubs some people the wrong way. Obviously, he was retired. He wasn't. He's coming back this time. There's going to be a lot of focus on him. But really, the up and coming. I wouldn't even say up and coming. The one they're already saying is the female Michael Phelps, Missy Franklin, uh, in swimming. She was a 17 years old last time, and she won four medals. And she actually holds dual citizenship with Canada and the United States. She competes for the United States, but that's another one that Canada is always watching. Like, it's okay for us to cheer for an American because she's got dual citizenship. Well, so she, you can always get behind other countries as well. Shouldn't they count for both countries then whenever she wins a medal? Like, if she's a dual citizen, like, here you go. Half a medal for Canada, half a medal for America. That works. We're going to split this in half. One side can never cross the border. <laughs> she just has to sit it on the border, so half is in each half of the country <laughs> every single time. Actually, just um, when we talk about Phelps, obviously superstars that you know outside of our own countries. I mean, Phelps, yes, Usain Bolt. We all love. Who doesn't love a bit of a Usain Bolt? I mean, if you don't love a Usain Bolt, I think you're not human, right? I mean, the guy's just a machine. Clearly, we both love him. We, oh, we're going to discuss I it just, now. I just okay. I thought well, we this, might get some opinion of the same bottom. If we don't have any because we all agree he's awesome, then that's fine. <laughs> well, this is where it could potentially turn into a four-hour podcast because, I mean, you can't... You, we could just do Usain Bolt uh, on the podium and that would be the entire podcast. I mean, <laughs> the greatest thing about him, this is where I, it's sad that this will be his final Olympics. I mean, maybe he'll pull... Uh, a Michael Phelps be, get arrested for a DUI. It's like, I got to improve my public image. Let me get out there and win another <laughs> Olympic medal. But with him, this is like the Muhammad Ali. I said this to somebody who wasn't familiar with him and they kind of laughed at me. But for somebody who is familiar with him, I said, this is the Muhammad Ali of the modern age, not just of his sport. This is the new Muhammad Ali. He's the guy who's not only the greatest athlete in the sport, he's probably the most charismatic athlete you've ever seen. I mean, I remember back in London when he w it was setting an incredible pace and he intentionally slowed down a bit to turn and pose as he crossed the finish line. And people love the fact that he cost himself you know, a couple fractions of a second just to showboat. I mean, there's nothing that you, you, you don't love about the guy. When he's arrogant, you love him. And that's the same thing Muhammad Ali had. I mean, it's going to be so sad when he's gone. And that's why I said if Andre de Grasse 
I don't expect Andre de Grasse to beat Usain Bolt. Um, but if Andre de Grasse does, in a way, I'll be a little bit sad because I want Usain Bolt to go down as like the greatest athlete in Olympic history. Jared, Jared I mean, you, you got to love the man. Yeah, he's the exception to kind of the rule. Like generally, um, I can't stand sprinters and I hate kind of the front that they put on. But with Usain Bolt, I mean, he's earned it. He's earned the right to kind of act like that and be that way. And, and his results speak for themselves. And in a sport that, I mean, races can be separated by hundreds of a second. It, it feels like the rest of the field just has no chance whatsoever. And he, he does. He puts in that big gap in front of them. He can slow down. He can speed up. Um, it's just amazing what he does in, in that short space of time. And, and it's fascinating to watch. He's just going to come out and probably run the 100 metres in like 4.6 seconds and be like, hey, man, the whole time I've just been slow. I just This is how fast I really am, man. And just like... <laughs> kill it can you imagine if he's just been messing with us <laughs> yes. for like the last several olympics yes. uh i know should... i really am the flash yes exactly. i just didn't want anybody to know yet now that it's retirement you could all know it. yeah yeah exactly uh i should mention i mean um australia generally sucks in the 100 meters we're, we're we're not a fast country i don't think australian has ever run under 10 seconds so that's generally how good we are in the sprinting but we actually have got a guy who's qualified for the 100 meters the first i believe since athens if i'm reading this correctly josh clark now i have no idea who this guy is neither does jared neither does australia but if he makes it out of the qualifying rounds to us that's as good as winning a gold medal so <laughs> go josh clark you know, in the 100 meters in it's, it, it really is a big deal because anywhere you go in the world the first name that comes to your mind when you think of 100 meter is usain bolt the second name is justin gatlin the third name is andre de grasse the fourth name is tyson gay and probably when you get down to about 35th or 36th <laughs> Josh Clark is the first name that comes to mind. <laughs> yes. So we'll all be watching Josh Clark this Olympics. Now, one person that we can all watch uh, for various other reasons, I will say, speaking of athletics, I'm a big fan of hers, and I know a lot of people on the internet are after she did her little dance at the, uh, I think it was a youth Olympic she did it or whatever, Michelle Jenicky, she's an Australian hurdler. Um, everybody just Google her right now, and you will be very much appreciative that I offered you to do that. And uh, she got very famous for her little pre-race dance and went social media. So, anyway, I'm just, I just thought I'd bring Sorry, her just, When you said everybody Google her, I did, and you said you'll be very thankful, and I'm realizing why you said that. <laughs> I, I don't see any dance, though. <laughs> There are, there is a dance, all right? Trust me, I'm not just saying that to... You. Okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yes. Uh, now, a couple of things quickly. Um, we, we touched on the... We know... I know everybody's answer with this is going to be the dressage. But besides the dressage, <laughs> is there one sport that is like a guilty pleasure that, you know, maybe it's something that you never get to see except if, if it's in the Olympics? I mean, this is why I love the Winter Olympics, because... You know, Australia sees curling as much as Canadians see a kangaroo. Like, it just never happens. So, I love it. Um, but, like, is there an event, Colin, coming into these that, you, you know, like, I mean, you're an absolute avid badminton fan or something like that? Uh, sadly, no. Um, <laughs> not for badminton. I, but, but, like I said, if, if this was back in Athens, this was a joke. But nowadays, trampoline is so big, and I'll be glued to the set during the trampoline. Uh, that, I guess you could call it my guilty pleasure, although it's one of those things, I think if you mention that in other countries around the world, they're going to be like, trampoline's not even, they're not even going to know trampoline's an Olympic sport. 
here in Canada, this is like super competitive. I mean, our flag bear for this Olympics was the gold medalist in trampolines. So, I mean, that's probably helped by the fact that she was our only gold medalist <laughs> last time, but it's still a big deal. Rosie McLennan is a national treasure, <laughs> and I will defend her honor during the trampoline event. I, I could imagine the Canadian Olympic Committee sitting around, okay, guys, um, who should it be our flag? Rosie McLennan! Okay, done. All right, thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Simple. Uh, Jared, do you have a, a guilty pleasure sport you like? I don't know about like, but I always am fascinated to watch the um, rhythmic side of the gymnastics. Um, th- talking about sports that maybe they shouldn't be in the Olympics, that's always one that kind of springs to mind. Um, yeah, it's, it's bad enough on, on the floor routines in artistic when they try and do dance moves in between and you're sitting there and you're like, just get to the tumbling already. But when it's entirely dedicated to somebody throwing up a ribbon or like <laughs> juggling cups or whatever they do. Um, it's just, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's like, why is this there? And you see other sports get pulled out and you're like, oh, those poor squash players, the poor baseball players, the poor softballers, and you're like, rhythmic gymnastics. Now that's a staple of the Olympics that has to stay. It just, it is, it's like, I think I agree with everything you just said because you can't take a sport seriously where you've got this, like, you know, this athlete, quote, athlete, who's, like, made up so much. Like, her hair is so tight on her head. She's wearing the most tightest leotard you've ever seen, and all she's doing is throwing a ribbon in the air. <laughs> I just want to see every event with people throwing ribbons in it. Like, Usain Bolt is slowing down in the last 50 meters to throw his ribbon up, and they're like, ooh, you know what? Uh, that ribbon didn't have the right landing. We're going to have to deduct a half a second off of his finish time. And it's so serious and tense. Like, they cut to the faces of the judges, and they're all just, like, feverishly writing down. The commentators, oh, no, there, James. No, she just didn't throw that ribbon high enough. I just don't know if she'll get, she'll get a deduction for that. Like, it's a fucking ribbon! <laughs> anyway, um, hello to all our rhythmic gymnast, gymnasts listening to um, Off the Podium, download now via iTunes. I I actually am a bit of a guilty pleasure fan of just gymnastics in general. I think it is it is a fascinating sport. Like, I mean, you know, having to walk on that tiny little beam and flip. And, I mean, I can't even get out of bed without falling over. Like, I mean, it's pretty crazy what they can do. I love the handball. I just, I am a huge fan of handball. We played that a bit in school. And it's just fun. It's just a fascinating sport to watch. Um, modern pentathlon. I'm seriously, I know nothing about modern pentathlon. It just seems like, like it's, I swear it's the sport at the Olympics that no one gives a shit about. Like you never hear anything about the modern pentathlon unless you're from like Kazakhstan or Bulgaria. Um, and you know, good, good on them. I mean, I'm sure it's probably like national heroes are made from their modern pentathletes, but you know, a sport that combines what shooting equestrian, you don't shoot the horses. Uh, you know, swimming, <laughs> athletics, and uh, what else do they do in modern pentathlon? What am I missing? Fencing. fencing of course, fencing. Why fencing. not? Um, so they chop the horse up after shooting it before swimming it across the river and running it to their village. It's classic ancient Olympics. That's what they did back in Greece. Um, so it's fascinating. Uh, actually, fencing. I remember back in the good old 2002 London uh, matchup of James Bond and Gustav Graves <laughs> in the modern pentathlon. Oh, wasn't that good? Yes. Oh, one Die of, Another Day reference. One of the ages. Wow, even I'm not bringing up Die Another Day. Colin's bringing it up now. What's going on? <laughs> um, wow. It's really rubbed off on him. Um, 
but yeah, no, handball definitely. I I love watching it every four years, and, and wrestling just for the fact that I don't know what I'm watching. <laughs> I'm just like, this is, you're like, why aren't they hitting each other with chairs? I'm like, where's you know the Undertaker? Like, it's it's. <laughs> It's a strange sport. Like, I get it. It's very ancient Olympia and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, like, yeah. I think it's only a few leotards removed away from porn. But um, we'll, we'll maybe discuss that at some point. Uh, hey, yep. wrestling is one of Canada's sports. Well, I uh, hey, whatever floats your boat. Uh, you know, good on I you. I didn't say porn was. I said wrestling <laughs> was. Uh, now, just before we go, uh, I wanted to quickly mention uh, our respective networks who broadcast the Olympics because, obviously, sadly, uh, none of us will be in Rio to watch them live because um, we are not currently kidnapped or getting evacuated for bomb scares. But um, we're all afraid of Zika. Let's just say it, okay? <laughs> terrified. Our we're budget, no better than Milos Ronic. Our budget was going to take us over there, but then we just paid for lots of um, vaccines instead. Uh, now, Colin, who who is? Tell us a little bit about the Canadian broadcaster of the Olympics. Uh, is it a is it a new broadcaster? Have they broadcast the Olympics for a long time? Are they good? Are they bad? Do you get special things like? and websites and extra channels. I mean, give give us a perspective of Canada watching the Olympics. Uh, well, the main network that broadcasted is CBC, which is really Canada's sports network. They've had Hockey Night in Canada, which is, you know, the highest rated show in the entire country for pretty much my entire lifetime. Uh, and they have broadcast every Olympics, at least that I've been alive for, with the exception of Vancouver. They lost the rights for Vancouver, but got it back for London and Sochi, so they'll be doing it again, and they basically will cover it day and night. There will be the daytime feed, they'll break for an hour to do news, they'll do the evening feed, they'll break for an hour to do news, they'll do the overnight feed, and on top of that we have TSN, which is, uh, you could say Canada's ESPN, it's Canada's sports cable channel, and they expanded to five networks uh, a couple of years ago, so we'll basically have CBC as the network coverage, TSN 1, TSN 2, 3, 4, and 5. And between all of them, you can get uh, the apps where you can watch it online and stream it, which is what I'll be doing every day uh, while I'm on my way to work, while I'm at work, while I'm going to the bathroom, while I'm showering, I'll have it playing about 10 feet away, just high volume, just nonstop around the clock. And we should mention, of course, you're in a fairly good time zone too with Rio, aren't you? You're only about, what, an hour or two behind, I believe, Rio. Yeah, so, I mean, it will be, like, regular coverage for us. Uh, like, with Sochi, if you want to watch something live, you're waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning or whatever. This is going to be much easier to follow here. Well, on the other hand of things, Jared and I will be waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Basically, uh, you know, for example, the opening ceremony is on at 9 o'clock in the morning for us on Saturday. So, you know, uh, I think we're 13 hours ahead of Rio. So the easiest way I work it out is just minus an hour and then work out the opposite of what it is. So, like, right now it's... Uh, 11.30 we're recording this so it would be 10.30 in the morning in Rio if my calculations are correct. Jared, we know that Channel 7 have gotten the Olympics back. What are your thoughts on Channel 7? Because um, I don't know if mine will come across very nicely. Um, I feel like I have fond 
memories of Channel 7 with the Olympics. I can't say the same thing about all other shows, but to me, the Summer Olympics just is a Channel 7 event. Um, London definitely felt a bit weird. Uh, I feel like the Winter Olympics are kind of fair play when it comes to the networks, but for me, it feels like the Olympics are home on Channel 7, and that sounds cliche and all, but... Um, that's just what feels right, in my opinion. They, in all fairness, you are right. They, I think, have always had them for the most part, except for every now and then. They, I mean, they they lost it after two thousand and eight, and Channel Nine had what Vancouver and London, and Channel Ten had Sochi. So we're basically all three of our major networks have had the Olympics in the last like four years. But I mean, I'm not a general fan of Channel Seven really at all. Uh, I'm a fan of Bruce McAvaney. <laughs> That's about as far as I can go. Um, but, uh, yeah, to put it into perspective for anybody who doesn't really know how Olympic coverage works in Australia, um, we'll get seven full days of, like, 18 hours of swimming coverage. Oh, remember that gold medal we won on day one? Let's watch it five more times in a row in different angles. Um, oh, and by the way, there's apparently a rowing event happening. Let's watch Oh, no, we're back to the swimming. Um, so that's how it works. But thankfully... We are, I believe, getting uh, the two digital channels with Channel 7, so 7, 2 and 7, mate. Yes, there is a channel in Australia called 7, mate. Um, we'll be <laughs> broadcasting other events. Uh, I just realised that when you explain that to somebody, it kind of cr- comes across quite ridiculous. But um, there legitimately is a channel in Australia called 7, mate. Um, wow. Uh, well, coming up next on 7, mate, it's the fucking judo. Um, um, i want to get the seven meat app now (laughs) i really hope that that's how they do it like i i don't know if they're gonna like just really are the most australian sport of them all dressage next on seven mate get your beers out and just watch it um but yeah they're, they're i they've launched an app which, uh, yes, will have varying things. But I also believe that they've got a service this year which you have to pay for. But if you pay for it, you can watch every single event live. So you could watch Dressage. Like, I'm sure they'll have the Dressage highlights channel for your... And it's worth the money in itself. So, um, I mean, that's pretty exciting. I I don't know the costings of it or anything along those lines. We really should have done our research coming into this episode. But um, exciting for Australia to watch that and... um, We'll see how it goes, really. So, yes, uh, we've talked about a fair bit, and <laughs> also not a whole lot at the same time. One thing I will say, um, it kind of sounds like I'm being paid to give a plug for this. I'm not. I legitimately am not. I picked up a copy of this the other day, actually. There's a, a magazine out in news agencies, uh, Official Australian Olympic Team Guide to the Olympic Games, hashtag one team. I'm guessing that's what we want to use on Twitter. Uh, It's actually quite good. Uh, I don't know if either of you go out of your way to buy things like that or if they have them in Canada, Colin, you know, the Canadian Olympic preview, which is like two pages long. Um, But, yeah, it's it's worth it. Go get it. Um, Colin, did you want a copy of the Australian Olympic Guide to the Olympics? (laughs) Send it to me right away. I can't wait to see it. You'd be like, wow, you can win in more than one event? Uh, <laughs> what's this multiple medals you speak of <laughs> olympics exist outside of rowing and trampoline what's this what's this athletics uh, <laughs> never heard of it uh but yeah we hope to come back possibly before the opening ceremony for maybe a bit more of a 
you know, I guess talking about the actual Olympics, <laughs> talking about Rio, talking about some of the news, talking about, you know, other events and all that sort of stuff. And when it comes to the games, we're looking at hopefully bringing a daily episode. We'll have segments, updates, you know, quote, comedy thrown in there somewhere as well. Uh, interviews. Hilarity all around. Hilarity. I mean, everybody who's listened to any of our other shows know we're just the funniest thing ever. We're comedic geniuses, as I believe we called That's ourselves great. on Double Odd 7. Um, and look, we're also even hoping to get some special guests on the show. Uh, we are in touch with a couple of people actually in Rio who we hope to get on the show. And look, we might even track down an Olympian or two. I'm sure there's, we could go to McDonald's tomorrow and we could just be like, hey, <laughs> didn't you finish seventh in modern pentathlon in Sydney? Um, so we'll see how that works out. But this is fun. I'm looking forward to this, Colin. I'm, I'm loving getting this Canadian perspective from, from all things to do with the Olympics. I, I know you're going to give us a great insight throughout these uh, the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and for anybody listening who is not Australian or Canadian, we will talk about more, we promise. <laughs> Just right now, that's all we know. <laughs> yes. Seriously, like, you know, if you're in America or New Zealand or, like, Tajikistan, um, we will fill in the gaps at some point because I know we're all keen to find out how Tajikistan are preparing for the uh, Rio Olympic Games. <laughs> a lot of people... And their right... famous rivalry with Uzbekistan <laughs> is legendary. <laughs> so we have to cover that. A lot of people right now are currently Googling Tajikistan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jared, uh, looking forward to your perspective as well and um, finding out your <laughs> further insights into ribbon throwing uh, for the next couple of weeks. Yes, it should be fun. Um, Planning to see it will be over way too fast, but um, got to relish the moment while it's here. Indeed. Uh, you can head to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash off the podium podcast. It's all lowercase in one word. Um, if you want to check out uh, everything there in terms of updates and send us a message or just like the page, uh, we're on iTunes, at least I hope by the time you're listening to this. <laughs> and leave us a, ra- a rating on there. Why not? Um, listen to it. Was shit. Well, Uh, Thanks to our Swedish listeners. (laughs) My, this was bad. Uh, So, yes. Thank you for tuning in. We're looking forward to covering the Olympics in the next coming weeks uh, here on Off the Podium. And until then, keep growing those Calgary rose bushes and get ready to pee on them all day long. Good night.